Hello Valiant Fundraisers, this is Rob Woods and welcome to episode 92 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. This is the show for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants ideas and maybe a little dose of inspiration to help you raise more money and enjoy your job. And if you work in corporate partnerships fundraising or if you manage someone else who does, I hope you're going to find this episode really helpful because today I'm exploring an approach to presenting and pitching in a way that increases your chances of positively influencing your audience and winning valuable corporate partnerships. To be clear, the more times you can build a relationship with a company through informal meetings, whereby you can create partnerships without the need to enter a formal pitch process, the better. There are lots of advantages to this, especially as it means you can avoid the many stresses of the dreaded staff vote. But however well you do this informal approach, Sooner or later, as a corporate fundraiser, you're going to be invited to prepare a presentation for a pitch panel or a panel of partners or charity champions of some kind. And when that happens, the stakes are incredibly high. All your hard work building the relationship up to this point can be lost if you don't understand the kinds of things that win and lose pitches. For this reason, I've spent more than 15 years studying the pitching strategies of some immensely successful corporate fundraisers. And I share these ideas as one of the modules in the Corporate Mastery Program. And to give you a sense of some of these techniques through this podcast, I asked a smart fundraiser named Laura Matthews, who works for Hearing Dogs for Deaf People, to share a recent success. Until last year, Laura's job was largely focused on major donor fundraising. But when it was expanded to include corporate partnerships as well, she decided to take part in our Corporate Mastery Program. At a recent event for everyone who had done that course, Laura shared with the rest of the group one of the results she's most pleased with, namely winning a brand new partnership that is worth more than £200,000 to her charity. After we hear from Laura about her approach which helped achieve this fabulous result, I'll share five ideas from within the Win That Pitch module in our programme that I hope you find useful. Here's our conversation. Laura Matthews, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well. Thank you, Laura. Thank you at short notice, uh, making time to chat to me for this little interview, because you came on the Corporate Partnerships Mastery Programme that we did last year. So I think it finished about five months ago. And we had a little catch up with alumni from that group a couple of weeks ago. And the group were really impressed with some of the victories you've had, how well you're doing. And in particular, you had an example of how you've done some interesting pitching things. And it would be great if our listeners could hear some of the ideas and principles that you found helpful. Just to cut a long story short, here you are. You and your colleagues have won this wonderful partnership. I think you said it's potentially worth at least £200,000. And I thought the stories you told me were a kind of a good microcosm for some helpful approaches to pitching. So if you'd be kind enough to share with the listeners, you know, maybe the start of that story and, and how it unfolded. Yeah, so I'm very new to corporate fundraising. I've never done a pitch before, so it was something I was quite anxious and nervous about doing. But I picked up quite a few, well, I say quite a few, a lot of um, helpful tips for pitching Um, and I would say one of the biggest things I learned was about listening to corporate about what is important to them Um, so for us we went down the route of how 
a partnership with us would be beneficial to them. And that actually then helped with a lot of the other things we did in the pitch um, to tailor it to them. So, for example, um, I was very aware that they were interested in videos and seeing the impact of our work through videos. And so we used that in the pitch as well as just us talking. Um, we use a lot of videos to get their engagement. We also did a lot of mock-ups of certain stuff. So when they would ask for ideas of how things would work, we, um, not for all of it, but a few things, we just mocked up some ideas so that we could show them. And we related this to also how it could benefit them. So a lot of it was around, yes, this would be a great partnership for us, but it will also really benefit you because our audiences align, which was a really um, helpful tool. The other thing we really tried to do was make it really creative. So that's where the videos came in as well. And obviously the mocking up and they really enjoyed that element, which was nice. For me, I always viewed corporate fundraising as being in suits and ties and very professional. And actually it was a very relaxed environment. And I think I'd learned a lot of that from the course of not to be nervous about it because actually they're investing in us and our team. Um, and that kind of settled the nerves a bit more and got us a bit more confident. The course definitely gave me a lot of confidence. As I said, I'd never done a pitch before, so it was a bit nerve wracking leading up to it. But actually, um, with all the tools that I learned, I was really confident going in and I really believed that we were a good fit. And I think that came across well. And one of the other things that I found really helpful was the support from all the other members who were on the course. We've been speaking since the course ended and they were really great and just give me that extra boost of confidence and we can all discuss ideas. And that's been really useful as well. Just to pick up on a, a couple of things you mentioned there, Laura, one of them I really like about the approach is, is you. I think you said whereas many teams might go and try and look their best and dress in a suit mm. for a pitch like this, and I could understand why, you took, I think, a bold but smart decision to dress down a bit and just wear, wear fleeces. But to be honest, I think because of the corporate um, experience we had, it wasn't really even in our radar to go in suits. So initially, when we turned up in our branded fleeces, which... I think is great because it really shows off what the charity's about. We were a little bit nervous when we saw everyone else in suits, but when speaking with the corporate, they did say, actually, we really love that because that's what we're like. And we very much are kind of, you know, casual and that sort of thing. So that worked really well, which is a good thing for us to take to another. And, and I also think as well, if, if it is the kind of, suit and tie place it probably doesn't align with us very much because we do very much you know that we have dogs around yeah well done and another thing you mentioned was uh what i would call future pacing where you mock up a version of something that could be used ultimately when this lovely partnership gets implemented and, and what things could sound like or look like or feel like three months into a an agreement to partner and the psychology of that being once the audience, once the company have seen or touched or tasted or listened to that, it's hard for their brain to unknow that reality. So that's the, the, the psychology, the logic of that. I don't know if you're able to share one or two of the ways that, that you implemented that in the context of this one, because I think it was a, a retailer 
how did that pan out? Yeah, so um, we did a couple of things. One of them was we have um, some small dog toys. And the idea behind that was that, you know, they're only very small things, but to get uh, the colleagues involved, you know, these could be little prizes. Just to show our idea, we took um, some along, but what we actually did was had um, just small collars as such made for these dog toys that was actually branded with the corporate logo just with a little message on the back so just to show like you know this is the sort of thing we could do or if not it's just a nice little thing that we can do for the colleagues and then the other idea was a fundraising idea and what we actually did with that is we went into their stores and had a look at the sort of signage and stuff that they had and created something similar so we knew that it would work in their stores but it was branded to our kind of fundraising idea and with us as a chosen charity in mind um, and they really liked that too and I think it just showed that we'd put the effort in to we do really want this partnership um, and this is how we envisage it so I think that worked really well. Yeah that's so important isn't it is that lots of charities when given the chance to to win a partnership will say all kinds of things but lots of companies sort of have been been there and experienced that and they know that sometimes things can be harder to deliver i think the more we can show that we're the kind of person or we're the kind of charity that walks the walk rather than talk the talk and be willing to 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 say anything those actions really do speak louder than words don't they yes absolutely and i think um for them they also really liked that our fundraising idea wasn't a we'd looked at what how it would benefit them and not just a typical standard fundraising idea that you know, lots of charities would come up with it. It was something slightly different and we'd taken the time to think about how that would work. And yeah, as I say, I think they really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I, I think, did you say that you you even, in addition to what relationship you'd managed to, to build before you were invited to pitch, you then did an extra conversation with someone who worked for that company to get their sense of whether these ideas you were wanting to present were, were genuinely practical you know would they be of interest or of use to the company yeah so um a lot of the ideas we came up with um obviously we really liked the ideas and we thought they'd be good but ultimately we don't work for them and we wanted to know and learn that is this kind of the sort sort of thing you'd be interested in is it something that the colleagues would really like or are we kind of barking up the wrong tree so I arranged a visit to one of the store managers just to run through the ideas and just to say, you know, am I kind of along the right lines or, you know, have you got maybe some suggestions of maybe that wouldn't work? So you need to rethink that. And that was really useful because thankfully a lot of it was positive feedback, but it also gave me the confidence going into the pitch to know, I know that this is the sort of thing that your colleagues would like and it would work if this is what you wanted to go for. So that helped with the pitch as well. So it's it was a lot of just taking extra effort to just find out certain information and just to make sure that our pitch that we put together was really tailored to that corporate and that it would really fit with their values and what they wanted to get out of the partnership. So really well done, Laura. One thing that stood out to me is you saying that actually on the day of the pitch, it had helped that various people in in 
your group had sort of given you helpful advice and encouragement and that had helped you feel like you're on the front foot. But also, in addition to all of that, you still weren't overly nervous. Could you articulate what seemed to be going on there? Yeah, I think we obviously put quite a lot of effort into the pitch itself, so preparing for the pitch. We'd obviously done research into what would work for the corporate. We had gone over our pitch quite a lot, so we knew where you know questions might come up, and then we'd kind of prepared for that. Um, so I think going into it, we were very confident with what we were saying, and because of speaking with um, taking that extra effort to speak to people before and know that we're on the right track, it kind of made it seem like you'd done a lot of the work before you knew what you were talking about. You just had to go in there and do it. And ultimately, they were all lovely. That They weren't there to grill us. They were there to help us and the other people pitching. But ultimately, when we were in there, they were there to help us and they wanted us to succeed. So I think the nerves just kind of weren't there really, which again helped with the confidence because the minute we got in there, I already felt confident and then I could just keep going and I was confident in our pitch and that obviously came across and it just worked really well. Hi, it's Rob and I wanted to jump in quickly to just summarise my view of five key things that I think Laura did really well as she worked so hard to prepare for her presentation, her pitch, that really did increase her chances of winning and in due course helped her get this wonderful result. Just to be clear, if you go away and do these five things, it's not going to guarantee that you're going to win every partnership you pitch for. I mean, the whole point of pitching is it is the ultimate result is beyond your control my method is to help you do as many things as you possibly can influence to increase your chances of winning. And if you do that for every single one, your win rate, we've found, definitely goes up, as Laura experienced. But the doing of these five things won't help every single time. That said, here's the first one, and I'm going to go through these, and you'll notice some themes that Laura and I have already talked about, but I do believe that repetition is the mother of skill. So for this reason, I'm going to summarise them now and my view on how I tend to language them when I'm teaching some of these ideas. The first idea would be gather more insight, by which I mean lots and lots of presentations and pitches are not as successful as we would like them to be because we talk primarily about our own side of the beach ball. So what I mean by that is if you were to imagine a beach ball in between you and the person or people you seek to influence and on their side of the beach ball the segments are orange green and yellow and on your side of the beach ball the segments are blue gray and red i think very many charity presentations talk about partnerships or major gifts or whatever it might be in terms that are blue gray and red rather than the side of the issue or the, what the partnership would look like from the point of view of the person you're pitching to, i.e. orange, green and yellow. So step one is you've got to get on their side of the table to see what, what they see. What would this partnership look like? Why are they doing it? What would be great about it for them in terms of the cause and making the world a better place and potentially uh, commercially, why would they be doing it? Now, lots of corporate fundraisers do do some of that, and yet the structure of their pitch still talks primarily about the charity's 
view of the issue, view of the partnership. But step one is to give yourself a fighting chance at all. Can you understand their view of what this partnership would look like? In my book, The Fundraiser Who Wanted More, very early on, I make the point that if you really want to influence someone, a key thing is to understand and appreciate their model of the world and the fundraiser who works harder at gathering more quality insight about why the company and the pitch panel would choose you and want to partner you. The fundraiser who works harder at gathering that insight will always have a massive edge compared to anyone else who presents to that company. Because even if you might be less confident or less articulate, you're going to be talking about the right kinds of things and potentially in the right kinds of language that they care about. So inevitably, it's going to connect more, have more rapport and help them understand those key messages that are important to them deciding to say yes. So the first idea I would sum up as gather more insight. The second idea is make it bespoke. Make it individualized, i.e. follow through on that valuable insight you gathered as to who they are and what they're interested in, why they might be interested. Many charities at this point forget temporarily that insight and go back to the same set of slides that they tend to present to most companies, albeit they tweak the last three slides. Whereas I think what Laura did brilliantly is to, right from the start, create a presentation which talks to the other party's side of the beach ball. And one way of doing this when you're designing a pitch is to ask yourself the question, what are the one, two or three key ideas to do with the cause and or to do with the, this commercial organisation and why they might seek partnership? What are the one, two or three key ideas that are crucial for us to communicate and communicate interestingly, persuasively, in this presentation. And then the third idea I would sum up from the way Laura went and created a brilliant pitch is the idea of create value. And the way I bring this to life is to relate an interview I once did with a brilliant fundraiser called Alex Wooding. I believe she's at the Alzheimer's Society at the moment, but she's got a, a really fabulous track record of leading fundraising teams and uh, frankly, winning pitches really well. So there was a time years ago I got the chance to interview her and asked her for her advice about what she's learned about designing and delivering pitches. And her key point was that people can be distracted by certain connotations of, of the word pitch in terms of performance and pizzazz and charisma. And they overexert energy and focus on what happens on the day and in her view don't work hard enough at the the more important thing which is preparing the substance i.e working out what could we possibly do or say that the other party wants what could a great partnership look like and the harder you can work at the finding out answers to that question and then building the substance that brings that to life, that is actually what increases your chances of massively of creating a very successful pitch on the day. Now, by all means, practice it. And by all means, being able to say it in a confident and articulate way can only help. But 
of the two, lots of pitches go badly because someone is confident and articulate, but the substance isn't there. And so they're not presenting their ideas for a win-win partnership to the corporate. I think Laura worked incredibly hard to do this with her team. And she gave some of the examples in the interview I had with her in terms of uh, finding and making the relevant films, uh, working out what props she could use to bring to life, what this value would be, what the partnership might look like, why it would be great for the company as well as for the charity and its beneficiaries, ways to bring the stories to life. All of that took lots of hard work. And in my view, that's a lot of the reason why on the day of the presentation, she felt relatively confident because she knew she already had some great ideas to share that potentially were in their interests to value as well. Then my fourth tip, if you're preparing a presentation or a pitch that can really help you is test your assumptions. I think Laura did this brilliantly. She was really explicit about the fact that finding someone in the company, a store manager, I guess it was, to test her ideas and asked for their opinion. Maybe those ideas helped her improve them further. But above all, it meant she walked away knowing that on the day when she pitched for the real thing, she'd already got a strong sense that genuinely these were likely to be the kinds of things that could practically work in the context of that company. And she shares that just knowing that gave her great confidence because she really was bringing something sensible and practical that could help the company that she was pitching to on the day. Now, sometimes, depending on the dynamic, it might be possible or appropriate for you to test some of your ideas with your main contact at the company. And sometimes it might not be appropriate. So you might have to try and find someone else you can build a relationship with, or you've already got a relationship to do it. But whatever you do, finding a way so the stakes aren't crazily high on pitch day because you've already got a sense you've road tested these things in some way. And then my fifth tip for today, which you could apply to any presentation or pitch you might need to do in the coming months, is give not get. Of course, going into pitch for the chance to have a partnership or be invited forward to some kind of further step in the process to win a valuable partnership, understandably your charity wants to get something it wants the value it needs the value the money to pay for the work of the charity but as you design the pitch and as you deliver the pitch focus not on what you want so much as how could we help them today so literally asking yourself the question how could we help them really enjoy this presentation enjoy the answers we give to any questions they might give and also get a sense that choosing us would be good for them as well as for this charitable cause. Now, obviously, you don't want to downplay the problems that your charity solves and the amazing difference that the partnership or the money would make to the solving of that. Of course, that's important. And I hope the company would see that as important too. But as you design the content and crucially, you structure the content, asking yourself the question whether we're talking about company benefits or we're talking about the philanthropic element the difference this was make how could we bring it to life in a way that is interesting enjoyable powerful for them asking yourself the question that way around not only will help you with choices about what to include and what to leave out because it might have been dull or not interesting to them but also again it will help you relax and be confident because 
you, your brain knows it's trying to help them today rather than take something from them. So what I tried to do there was share five key themes from the Win That Pitch module on our Corporate Partnerships Mastery Programme that Laura was talking about. And again, because repetition is the mother of skill, if I were just to sum those up for you now. Number one, gather more insight. Number two, can you make it bespoke, follow through on the insight? Talk about their side of the beach ball as well as yours. Number three, create value, find the substance and bring that to bring it to life on the pitch day. Number four, test your assumptions so that you know whether those things genuinely are likely to really chime with them. And fifth, what are you gonna focus on? Focus on give, not get, and that brings lots of other power with it if you can successfully focus your attention on give, not get. So those are five of the principles that are in that win that pitch module within my bigger Corporate Partnerships Mastery program. Inevitably, doing any one of those five is not always plain sailing. There are challenges in practice for an individual and also for an organization to actually follow through on the practicalities of those ideas, which is why it's a much bigger program. But nevertheless, I hope that listening to Laurie's examples and me summing up those five might just help you if you've got to do a presentation at some point in the next couple of months. Now, I also did ask Laura a couple of other questions about some other things she's been pleased with about progress to do with corporate partnerships over the last few months. So I wanted to just before we finish the episode, share a couple of her answers, because I think in terms of bigger picture strategy, those are interesting. So one of the themes is about the power of focus on the program. I call it Dream 10, i.e. If you've got a new business list, a list of companies you'd love to have a partnership with, and it's just a, a dull Excel spreadsheet and there's 56 names of companies on there and it languishes on a spreadsheet somewhere, then I would say that's the first reason why it's currently difficult for your charity to build relationships with companies because there's no focus. Focus is power. We share a system on that program to help you choose just 10 or 12 of the best possible partners uh, and it really makes sense or would make sense to both parties as to why you're going for them. Now one of the helpful questions is to search for which are the companies that like to sell to the kinds of people who support our charity? That's one obvious question. Another is which are the companies who, that have employees that also potentially are the kinds of people who care about our cause. So those are two of the questions. There's a bigger system to how we help you choose those. But whatever system you use, deciding on a relatively small number to proactively go after is a key thing that Laura and her team have done so well. And that enables her to build deeper relationships with those companies because there's only a relative few of them. And then it's more likely she'll be get to a point where she's invited to pitch and also, it's more likely that she'll have time to really work hard doing these creative and bespoke things because she's not having to worry about 56 companies. There's fewer that she is giving her attention to. So focus is one theme. Another theme is how on earth can we get more meetings, more conversations, more foot in the door moments to build relationships with those companies that we don't yet have a relationship with. And that's a key driver of growth in corporate partnerships. And another really important one is ways to sell in what 
true partnership fundraising is about to your colleagues, many of whom are you know, understandably busy doing what they do to make the world a better place. And their strength is not fundraising or partnerships. A key thing Laura did really well at is, is confidently helping her colleagues and other teams really buy into what the potential of true win-win partnership can be. So to bring that to life, here is Laura sharing a couple of answers to my questions. But one thing you mentioned to me before was that the doing of it this way and it paying off really has paid some dividends in terms of building relationships internally and helping other people in your organization more understand and tune into what partnership fundraising is about. Yeah, before I did the course, there was always this idea of getting more corporates on board, but it was no one really knew where to start or where to go or the best way to do it. Um, and I think le I learned a lot of stuff from the course about how to pass on these messages back to everyone in my organisation of how we can work together. And so it hasn't just impacted me, it's actually impacted my team and then even the wider team because ultimately there's still little bits of corporate throughout everything and it kind of all comes together and it's enabled us to build better relationships with corporates because we can kind of learn how we can deliver better to them um, rather than just your standard what's expected and with the dream 10 we started with um, corporates where the audiences aligned so they're customers or audience aligned with our supporters and there was a clear link between why that corporate would be supporting us and a lot of it came from so for example for this corporate partnership it was an opportunity that we saw and we just went for it and obviously we put the work in and it's been really successful um, some of the other ones I've used LinkedIn to try and get a good contact some of which took more than one go to get a conversation started. But ultimately, a lot of the time, I just wanted to get a response to start that conversation. Then some of the others that we've managed to just get in touch with, there was very little information about how to get in touch with them, um, apart from, you know, the generic email. And I thought, well, let's just give that a go and just send an email to the one email address we've got and we got a response and it's been really interesting to learn how all the different corporates have different ways of doing things and also what works for one corporate isn't going to necessarily work for the next corporate and trying to tailor it and learn what works for them so you can provide something where they're going to want to work with you. Um, so it's all been really interesting to learn that. Yeah, and I, I think a thing that is endlessly fascinating about this type of work is that it is the certain things certain principles that if you work really hard at they can give you a big edge when it comes to getting a first meeting making yeah. that meeting go well if invited to pitch how to pitch really interestingly and persuasively the certain principles but how you solve the problems at each of these stages and how you win a staff vote and so on how you do it is an art, not a science, and is endlessly yeah. fascinating, the problem-solving and the decision-making needed for each of those steps. Yes, absolutely. And I think some of the corporates I've had conversations with, some of the initial contact I had with them, I was trying to be creative. And for some, it really worked. And for some, it didn't work as well. So then I take a slightly different route. 
Uh, so, for example, some of the corporates I've contacted in the past, um, previously, it would have been a very boring email to them, not tailored, not even researched, not looked, just a standard email. Whereas since the course, I've done things like I've attached a picture of a puppy and said, look, it's really worth your time, even if you just look at this puppy, um, which I think gets uh, definitely got some people's attention. So it's just learning the different ways of how to get their attention. That's right. And the truth is, no single tactic is is ever going to be right for everybody. But the more you know on the, the kind of results you're trying to get and problems that are important to solve, and you've got numerous ways, tactics with which to try to solve those, uh, and if the first two things don't work, you can go to the third or fourth one, which might require more effort, more risk or more creativity. The, 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 we find that the more you zoom in on those key result areas and you've got several different ways to potentially solve it, sooner or later, uh, we, with a little luck, we, we often do tend to, to get some progress. Yes, uh, absolutely. Laura, if someone's weighing up whether to potentially seek budgets to invest in, in coming on this course, because it's different from going on a one-day course or a one-day conference. Mm. It's six months of some masterclasses and some coaching support and so on. It's a bigger deal and therefore a bigger decision. But if someone's weighing up whether it might be worth their while, what would you say? I'd say go for it. I think that this, especially for me being someone who'd never done corporate, six seems almost intimidating, but it's really not because you have one session and you pick up useful tips and you speak to other people, which is really helpful. And then you get a bit of time to to have a look at that in your own role and even try and implement some things and see how it could work for your organisation. And then you have another session where you kind of can look over that and discuss it with other members as well. I think interacting with the other members has been really useful because um, you're not all from similar charities, but you're obviously all in a charity and having um, just that backwards and forwards conversation, even at the beginning of a course, is really useful. Um, and hearing other people's successes also helped me to say, actually, that would work. I need to try that. But yes, it definitely gave me time to implement it. And it's given me such amazing confidence in corporate fundraising, which I definitely didn't have before. So it's definitely worth it. Well, thank you, Laura. And huge congratulations on all this hard work you've put in. It's not easy stuff. You've put in loads of hard work and you found ways to make it work and, and get some really fabulous results. So congratulations to you and your team. Uh, best of luck with this new partnership and I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing our examples and ideas. If you did and you've not yet subscribed, do click on the subscribe button today so that you don't miss out on all the other episodes we've got coming up. If you'd like a full transcript and a summary of the episode, go to the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. And if you're interested in finding out more about the Corporate Mastery Programme, which is what Laura did, or the Major Gifts Mastery Programme, which follows the same format of masterclasses and individual coaching support, then check out the information on our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services, and then click on the page for either Major Gifts Mastery or Corporate Mastery Programme. If you enjoyed the episode, then I'd be incredibly grateful 
if you'd take a moment to share it on with your colleagues or on social media so we can help as many charities as possible with these ideas. Thank you for your help. And we'd love to hear what you think of this episode. We're both on LinkedIn and you can find me on Twitter at at Woods underscore Rob. Lastly, thank you for listening today. Best of luck creating your own persuasive presentations and pitches. And I look forward to sharing more bright spot ideas and examples with you very soon.